Hello and welcome to Tell Me Where I'm Going. I'm your author, Chris DeLuca, and this is the final episode of our Traveling Wilburys story. Yes, I said last episode was the, was the final chapter, and I was technically correct. Chapter 10 is the final chapter, but it got so long that I broke it up into two parts. So this episode you will hear tonight, or today, or this morning, whatever you're listening, will be Chapter 10, Part 2, Unprecedented. So if you haven't heard Chapter 10, Part 1, go back one week or one thing in your feed and listen to that uh, before you start listening to this one. And obviously, if you have no idea what I'm talking about at this point, go back and listen to all the chapter episodes and you'll hear the story of the Traveling Wilburys underground solving crime. But before we get to that, a little bit of business. I need to get out of the way. Now, this has been a really interesting and fun experiment uh, this show, and I'm so grateful to all of you who decided, hey, let's let's participate in this thing, and and literally could not have done it without you. I ran out of ideas, and you gave me them, and it is integral to this story, and it became what it is. And what it is is something truly unique and very cool. So I think everyone can be really proud of what happened here. I have to say that for legal reasons. No, honestly, though, I think this is really cool. So, moving forward, we're at the end of this story. What happens next? First things, tell me where I'm going is going to be taking a little bit of a summer break. Uh, And this is going to be a gap uh, where I take a breather and reassess, and I'm going to figure out some organizational things about the show, maybe uh, figure out how best to um, structure it moving forward and and incorporate any feedback that you might have about how to make it better, both in participating or in the stories themselves or, or anything at all. So if you have an idea of how to improve the show or something that you'd like to see, reach out to me either on Twitter at Y-O-U-T-M-W-I-G, Y-O-U-T-M-W-I-G, or at the email address, suggestions at tellmewhereimgoing.com. And this is, a, this is always a community-driven show, so however you'd like to, to see it going, you tell me, and, and I'll incorporate that into this next phase. So, I'm not exactly sure I don't have a, a timeline yet, um, but uh, no later than the fall. We'll be coming out with season two and hopefully some other fun surprises. Um, and uh, yeah, so all that's working, all that's cooking, and I'm very excited about it. Okay, that's the update. Again, thank you all so much for participating. I want to especially thank the following for contributing suggestions and feedback for the show. I want to thank Anya and Zach and Grant Swift Glidden and Alice and Shannon and Molly. And last but not least, PDY. Folks, couldn't have done it without you. And you know it. And I'm so proud 
to have your incredible contributions as part of this winding tale. Without further ado, The Traveling Wilburys Underground Solving Crime, Chapter 10, Part 2. The singer was cut off by a mic stand hitting him in the chest. Connie had thrown the mic stand with laser precision, coupled with a furious grunt that turned into a scream and ended in a half-cry. The singer swung wildly from his cable, knocking into the other members of Netherworld. Instead of a big finish, their song crashed down into noise rock. And then, just noise. Come on, let's get out of here while we still have time! The traveling Wilburys made a break for it. Stage fog swirled in dramatic billows as three bright spotlights trained on the hooded singer as he crumpled, clutching his crotch. The traveling Wilburys ran for the exits, except for Connie, who screamed at the dangling netherworld. You all started this mess, and now you're gonna finish it. Where is Dixie? Who knows? The singer squeaked, still bumping into his bandmates from his stage harness. Connie growled in frustration. The Wilburys stopped at the door, seeing Connie was left behind. Get out of there, Connie! They'll be able to finish their song, and then your brain will be infested with Prague! Connie stamped her foot. I don't care about Prague. I care about Dixie. It's too late, Wilburys! The singer croaked. Your brains have already been rearranged! Prague is in your bones now! He's bluffing! You made them screw up the song's ending, Connie! The Prague brain change isn't complete! Yeah, and I still think brain manipulation at that insane level, via that insane method, is insane! Tom added. There's absolutely no chance that you've altered our brains to only produce Prague music. I can assure you, on my next solo album... The hooded singer cut him off. What's the album's concept? Oh, it's a six-part space opera about a clone of King Arthur fighting aliens with music. Tom gasped. <gasps> Sweet Jesus! The hooded singer cackled. We have you! No, that concept was just a dream. That I'm running down. Okay, the Prague influence is unstable. We can still get out of here alive. Uh, artistically speaking. George nodded stoically. Right. Stay grounded and stick to the basics. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Although the intersection of the three would make an interesting triptych suite. Food! Jeff yelled, as if his brain were less being invaded by Prague and more just firing randomly. Food's super simple. There's nothing there that the complexity of Prague can touch. So think about that. Except for souffles. Uh, those are pretty complex. And sushi, in the preparation. Though actually, Pop-Tarts are pretty complex, if you think about it. Which I am. Oh no! Food's a minefield! The dangling netherworld had finally stopped spinning out of control, and the singer had recovered enough to speak normally. Or at least at the same high pitch he always adopted. Hurry up, hurry up! Let's play the end of the song and their brains will be prog forever! He muttered under his breath which would have been stealthy enough to avoid detection from the Wilburys, except that he was still fully miked. Come on, Connie, they don't know anything about Dixie or music. 
Connie hesitated for a moment, then gave in, running with the rest of the Wilburys out of the stadium, while the members of Netherworld struggled helplessly from their cables. As the stadium door slammed shut, Mrs. Zimmerman lumbered to the cable controls and began lowering Netherworld. Outside, George, Jeff, Connie, Tom, Belinda, Roy, Una, and Bob burst into the new dawn spreading over the empty parking lot. They whirled around in all directions, looking for the tour bus against the brewing glare from the sun. There, across the parking lot, proudly plastered with the name of the Wilburys Tour, The Traveling Torberries, Volume 1. The gang sprinted towards it, swerving around lampposts and leaping over concrete dividers. Suddenly, Una was struck with a premonition. Something behind her was wrong. She glanced back and saw nothing. Glad it was a false alarm, but alarmed that her second sight had been wrong, she ran on. A few moments later, a paranoid Jeff Lynn glanced behind him. Unlike Una, he did not suffer from occasional non-perception of persons and saw Netherworld and Mrs. Zimmerman in hot pursuit, instruments in tow. <laughs> oh, Netherworld is coming! They're going to play the end of the song at us! George's eyes grew wide. Not much farther to the tour, boss, and we'll escape to our next gig. We'll be safe in Pittsburgh! First time anyone said that, retorted Belinda, who was from Philly. Jeff looked again over his shoulder. Netherworld was gaining. They were almost at the bus. Jeff started to let himself feel relief. They were just going to make it. Then the tour bus's engines kicked in, there was a sharp whistle from the hydraulics as the doors closed, and the lumbering vehicle started pulling away. No, 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 Jeff cried. The band ran to the side of the bus, banging on the door. <laughs> shouted Bob. Inside the bus, the grim silhouette of early bird Earl shook his head, tapping his watch. Tom kicked at the tires. Oh, come on! We're the band! It doesn't make any sense to drive to the next gig without the band! You can't leave without us! And yet, early bird Earl could leave without them. And he did. The Traveling Torberries, Volume 1, sped off into the highway. The band staggered to a halt by the roadside, out of breath and out of options. They stood panting, the members of Netherworld surrounding them. The two drummers played a Zydeco-inspired polyrhythm to keep everyone's brain mushy, while the rest set up their amps. To help with the confusion, Mrs. Zimmerman held up a series of hand-lettered signs with the names of famous prog rock album titles that could also double as climate change warnings. She had just gotten through close to the edge and a question of balance, and was just holding up permanent waves when Una had another premonition. Wait... I'm getting something. Hold on, hold on. That's it. We drove here. Quick, to my Volvo station wagon. The Wilburys pushed past Netherworld, causing the two drummers' 5-4 groove to stutter into 7-8. The other members had just created a convoluted rigging to power their amps off a nearby lamppost and were now frantically unplugging it to return chase. This gave the Wilburys ample time to dash to Una's Volvo. Connie, Una, and Belinda piled into the front seat, 
Una driving, Connie riding shotgun, and Belinda squeezed into the middle console, uncomfortably blocking access to the parking brake. George, Roy, and Tom crammed into the single-piece back seat, assuring each other that the pressure on their sides from their sardine-like packing would offset the lack of seatbelts. Bob and Jeff dove into the way back seat, which faced behind the car. Already cowering in fear, they were the first to see Netherworld jumping in their own tour bus, the Netherwagon. On the hood was an oversized papier-mâché version of Netherworld's mascot, a stoic, orange-skulled baby head with large, blue, pupilless eyes. The creepy baby head doubled as a speaker, and it started blaring Netherworld's music. "'Go! Go! Go!' shouted George, pounding the back of Eunice's seat. She stamped on the gas pedal, peeling out onto the highway amongst screeching tires and oil-burnt smoke pluming from the wheel wells. The nether wagon careened after them, the bus engine protesting loudly at trying to match acceleration with the smaller vehicle. This bucket doesn't have much horsepower. Or gas in the tank, if I'm honest. But I think we'll have just enough of both to catch the Willberry tour bus. I'm not exactly sure what we'll do once we're there, since the driver didn't stop before. But I sense something will work out. Una shouted over the motor and music. Tom pointed. Look, there's the bus! There it was indeed. They were gaining on it fast. But was it fast enough? George twisted around in his seat and tried to look out the back window, but Bob and Jeff's froze blocked his view. Jeff, how close are Netherworld? I don't know. I'm covering my eyes, Jeff Lynn whimpered. George smacked at the back of his head. Damn it, man! I need you... To open your eyes! That's what it takes! <laughs> offered Bob Dylan, deeply disturbing the whole car. Jeff's eyes popped open, mostly to give Bob a worried side eye, but before he could, he saw Netherworld. He whooped with joy. The Nether Wagon is pulling over! They must be giving up! It's over, whispered Roy with palpable relief. Everyone was hugging and congratulating each other, except Una, who had to keep her eyes on the road. She squinted. It kind of looks like the traveling Torberry's volume one bus is also pulled over. No sooner than the words had left her lips than the car swerved out of control, careening off the road and into a ditch. Shaken but unhurt, the group pulled themselves from the steaming Volvo. My car! Una cried. Belinda rubbed her shoulder. It's okay. The damage doesn't look too bad, and AAA will tow it. I know. I hate AAA. Una sobbed. What happened? asked Tom, sagging on jelly legs. <laughs> said Bob, pointing. It was true. Stretching out across the entire road was shiny sheets of ice. The ice reached across the entire width of the street, and for a ways down it as well. On more careful inspection, the traveling Torberry's Volume 1 had clearly skidded through it, leaving a trail of dark tire marks to where it currently rested, door open. Early Bird Earl was examining the tires. Behind them, Netherworld were setting up their instruments next to the nether wagon, rigging the idling engine to power their amps. They were almost done. "'Come on! Across the ice!' shouted George encouragingly. But the ice was extremely slick, 
and movement was slow. They weren't going anywhere fast. Ho! Earl! Wait up! George called. Even at distance, everyone could see Earl clearly shake his head no. It looked like he was just about done checking the tires. Netherworld picked up playing where their brain-altering song had been cut short. The Wilburys slipped. We're doomed, wailed Jeff Lynn. And for once, no one could counter him. Just then, a low hum came from across the street, cutting through the prog. I found the Zamboni, shouted Dixie, driving the vehicle across the ice slick. I just love smoothing ice, whooped Eddie Money, popping up behind her. Get in. Connie, Belinda, and Una jumped on the Zamboni, hugging Dixie and crying happy tears. Roy, George, Tom, Jeff, and Bob clung to the side as the Zamboni zipped towards their tour bus. They could make it there for sure now, well before Earl closed the doors this time. We thought we lost you, Dixie, choked Connie, face completely wet from tears. Dixie grinned. Nah, she said. Netherworld had reached the crescendo once more, their teeth rattling amplification more than loud enough to travel. It's no use. They're going to finish their song. And we're going to hear it. And we'll be Prague forever. Dixie shook her head. Oh, yeah, that psychology thing they do. Whatever. It needs a specific resonance in a specific order to work. And most of it happens on the low end. So a difference resonance in that same frequency should neutralize the brain effects. This should do it. Netherworld hit the end of their song, thundering a deep, complexly textured chord, while at the same time Dixie belched extremely loudly. The Wilbury's ears popped, the extremity of the sonic collage bending their minds to the breaking point. Then it all stopped, the only remaining sound the steady chug of the Zamboni. George touched his face. Did it work? Dixie shrugged. I don't know. Tell me about your next album. Well, it'll be The Traveling Wilburys, Volume 2, and musically it'll be more of the same as Volume 1. Tom started laughing. Well, that's it. Nothing that backwards-looking and simplistic could be influenced by Prague. We're okay. We're okay. The Traveling Wilburys laughed and laughed. As their guffaws turned to chuckles, George turned to Dixie. We set out to rescue you, but in the end, it was you who rescued us. Thank you, Dixie. Dixie nodded. No problem. I want to hear all about your adventures, but I've heard that Dixie is not your real name? Dixie shook her head. Nope, not at all. My real name is Trixie. There was a long pause. Why on earth did you change your name from Trixie to Dixie? Dixie shrugged. You can never be too careful. There's a lot of creeps out there. All right, let's get on the tour bus. You're all driving me to work. Three months later, George picked up his guitar. It was the first time he had since the Wilburys' underground ordeal. He knew he hadn't been hit with the netherworld prog brain, but he was still nervous. He touched his fingers to the strings, hesitating. His thoughts meandering, he wandered over the new Traveling Wilburys album title. You know, why not change it 
from The Traveling Wilburys Volume 2 to The Traveling Wilburys Volume 3. Yeah, he liked that. Sure, there was no Volume 2, and there never would be, but this would keep people guessing. (laughs) He grinned, setting his guitar aside for now. Idly, he scratched his chest mole that sometimes looked like a face and sometimes a key. And there you have it, folks. This has been an amazing ride, and uh, I can't wait to continue it on the other side of this break, and I think we're really going to improve this show and, and make it better than ever. So thank you all so much for your support once again, and I'll see you on the other side. You've been listening to Tell Me Where I'm Going, a Let's Hear It production. To find out more, visit letshearit.network.